and ride with me in my foul life. The Foul Life Podcast is back at you. Thank you all so much for the subscriptions and downloads. Every month since September of 2021, we've had over 155,000 downloads of the episodes. Some months we do six, some months we do five, like we did in October of 2021. That's a lot of downloads. A lot of people are listening to what we're saying, and we do not take that lightly because y'all have a lot of choices out there. There's so many different podcasts, podcast hosts, so much content out there for your eyes and your ears to consume. So thank you all from the bottom of my heart for tuning in and downloading, subscribing to the Foul Life Podcast. Please don't forget to listen to our sister podcast, This Life Ain't For Everybody and Where the Pavement Ends. Clay and Clinton Alex are doing a great job with awesome, awesome content on where the pavement ends. If you're a big game hunter, predator hunter, turkey hunter, rifles, muzzleloaders, archery, ballistics, you name it, these cats are hitting on it. I'm fired up about all of the content that we have going on. I know that you all are watching the brand new episodes of season 13 of Benelli's The Foul Life exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. We're doing all that we can social media wise, live event wise, corporate events, national TV, national podcasts. We're trying to do as much as we can to showcase the unbelievable culture of the American duck and goose hunter. But we also understand that you guys do have a lot of choices. You ladies do have a lot of choices in what you're going to listen to, what you're going to watch. So seriously, thank you so much for supporting us, supporting our sponsors, supporting all of our partners on our TV shows, all of our different over-the-top, you know, all of the formats that you can find right now on My Outdoor TV, all of our reruns, the provider TV, our provider brand, our cookbooks, everything we have going on, it's truly unbelievable to see it coming to fruition and all of the support we are getting. The episodes are, are, they're thought about for a while of like, what guests are we going to have on? What topics are we going to have on? Can we get Fred Zink back on here? Can we talk about short read goose call and can we get Kelly powers back on here to talk about flagging and decoying Canada geese? Can we talk about duck calling and what it means to have that chocolate milk effect or ripples on the water? We want to try to bring you as much instruction as we possibly can, but we also want to talk about stories and experiences that paint the picture and hopefully let y'all live through as vicariously and jump in the truck with us as we travel through all of these different places that we're so blessed to get to visit because again like my good friend ted nugent says and corrects me every time i tell him ted this is a privilege he says chad no it's not we have the right to hunt it says it right in the bible but i want to protect it i want to protect this culture and fly the flag the right way because there's no reason to do things the wrong way we don't need to poach we don't need to shoot early we don't need to shoot late we got to understand that we're hunting a wild animal that was put on this earth for us to fill our tables, our freezers, our refrigerators with this bounty, this high protein, organic, living off the land diet. I mean, is there any better, cooler way to live than being a hunter or a fisher and going out and honing your skill set to be able to decoy Canada geese close enough to harvest them with some black cloud and then put them on that Traeger and feed your family? No, there's not catching some fish out in the ocean and putting them on a grill, throwing down with some different recipes and serving it to your friends and family and toasting and celebrating life. There is not a cooler way to live in my opinion. So thank you all so much for supporting all of the partners and sponsors. And you know that 
the Foul Life podcast every week. We're going to try to bring it to you, and we are going to bring it to you tonight on this episode because we had an unbelievable 48 hours here in the state of Nebraska with Black Goose Outfitters. Today's episode of the Foul Life podcast is brought to you by our friends and family at the one and only Flask Cap. If you all love tumbler cups, if you take pride in what you put into your body, if you take pride in the celebration of life, check out Flask Cap. Their tumbler caps, their patented lid design. I truly believe what Drew Tom and the crew are doing up in the great state of Montana, aka God's country. Flask Cap is exactly what we choose to bring on the road to make sure that we keep our hydration levels exactly where they need to be. And that's not to say that we don't celebrate once in a while. I don't hide the fact that we celebrate our victories. We celebrate our losses. We celebrate the high times, the low times, the good times, the bad times, because to me, everything comes to fruition in the end. And if you do the little parts right, that big picture, that big, those big pieces of that puzzle are going to fall into place. And that's exactly what Drew and the crew at Flask Cap preach. So thank you all for supporting Flask Cap. Get you one of their tumbler cups for this summer. Get it on the boat. Get it on the beach. Get it somewhere where you can enjoy an adult cocktail. And remember to do it responsibly. Responsibly, never allow underage drinking. Tonight's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is also brought to you by our friends and family at Realtree. Bill Jordan has done an amazing job. The great state of Georgia since 1986. His camo patterns are second to none. It means exactly what his company is called, Realtree. We look like timber. We look like the bark. We look like the marsh. And that's why we can get those birds, those deers, those turkeys, those antelope, those sheeps to come. I mean, bugling elk to nine yards like my good friend Remy Warren did this year. Realtree is there to put those animals in your lap. They believe in friends, the family outdoors, and that's exactly why we've been with them. Listen to this. We've been with Realtree since 2002. 20 years, two decades with the Real Tree family. Thank you, Bill Jordan. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, every single person in South Georgia. We truly appreciate what you do for the outdoors. And I'm not going to stop there. We have one more partner tonight, Kershaw Knives, because I believe I'm looking at my thumb because I got going too fast. I was breasting some birds in Oklahoma the other day, <laughs> and I just nicked myself, like nicked. Nicked my it thumb. It laid you open. And it laid me open. Like, you got to be careful. I tend to go too fast in life. My good friend Brian Kelvington at Federal Ammunition, all the time, he told me today, I was texting him. He said, Belding, pump the brakes. I tend to go too fast. So when you're breasting those birds, if you're plucking those birds, whenever you're using a Kershaw knife, do it with diligence, please. Take care of your body because we only get one chance at this. Quit nicking yourself, Chad Belding. Thank you, Kershaw, for staying sharp. We truly use knives every day. We're cooking. We're cleaning. We're butchering. We're processing. I want to live off the land. You can ask anybody that knows me or my brother Clint, my brother Clay, our entire crew, my guest tonight, Tate Fogelman and Justin Smiley. We live off the land. I eat wild game at least two times a day and every day, seven days a week, 365 days days a year because I want to live off of the land. I want to be like our trailblazers, the men and women that came before us. I want to know what it takes to go out and kill a deer and be able to skin that deer and butcher that deer and process that deer and turn it in to unbelievable meals. Same with ducks and geese and moose and turkeys, fish, whatever you choose to chase and harvest, become one in the kitchen. Thank you, Kershaw, for giving us the blades we need to make sure we have the confidence to cut that 
meat off of the bone and if we're going to saw a bone they got unbelievable saws as well kershaw knives they're from the great state of washington we truly believe in everything that they make and they are another part of ours that i truly appreciate all of you going out and supporting i mentioned our guest tonight we've we're in nebraska we're with larry fryman black goose outfitters my man justin smiley an nfl football player who's retired now my other little man I just met him this year, actually last year, a couple months ago at Talladega. He won Talladega. Tate Fogelman for the NASCAR Truck Series. You guys are hunting up here at Black Goose Outfitters. Welcome, my friends. Tate, how are you? Doing good. Glad to be here. Justin, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Now, I was talking a little bit there because I get so fired up about this lifestyle that we get to share. And when we started Banded, I remember when I started Banded back in 2008, I'm in my garage, and I was like, Banded was going to be the, this company that had this analogy that hunting is the common denominator that brings all these different walks of life together. And here we are, 2018 plus 10 is 2018. 2008 plus 10 is 2018. I'm not really good at math. I heard you say that. I told before. you I'm bad. I, I think it's, it's been about 14 years. A long time. 14 years is... Banded. It was always... It's the common denominator that brings all these different walks of life to you. I know you can go golfing, but when I golf, I'm too pissed off to be nice to anybody because yeah. I suck at it, <laughs> right? So I don't think you yeah, get to know somebody. I'm with you. I don't think you're ever, ever as close to somebody as fast as you can be than you are in the duck blind or deer it, camp. It's a special place, man. Isn't right? it? You can't describe people that have never experienced it. Obviously, can't uh, can't imagine. You can't put it into words. You can't, right? Like, no. we, we've been in the camp 48 hours now, and we've had a lot of laughs. So this common denominator thing that I'm talking about is, like, it doesn't matter if you're a janitor at a high school, a fighter pilot, an admiral in the Army. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete like both of you are. It doesn't matter what you do. Mother Nature will put you on your knees and humble you. I've seen the greatest country music musicians, actors. I've seen like I said, military for the biggest professional athletes in the world that enjoy the outdoors. They come out here and they're just another hunter. And that's, what's cool about this is that you can make millions of dollars playing football and you can have an unbelievable career getting to kick off in the NASCAR. But when you're out in the duck woods, we're all on the same level. And that's what I wanted banded to be. The vision of banded was a, a band of brothers. Like, Hey, we're all, right. all on the same level. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think that, uh, I think that this sport could use more of that and I think that it was right on time because we do know that um, it can bring the ugly and the competitiveness out in a lot of people but you you're right it, it does level the playing field mother nature will humble you and bring you to your knees uh, I may be the all-american on the football field but I pull up and I whiff on the goose just like the janitor, like you said, or he comes up and he bangs. Uh, it it really does. Everybody is on uh, is on the same playing field, and and I'm hungry for knowledge. And every day I'm I'm yearning to learn more. I think it's the greatest because you no matter how long you do it, you're always like, oh wow, I just took something out of today's hunt. Yeah. Man, I mean, like you said earlier about uh, somebody that we hunted with, they asked you hey, I want you to teach me how to do that on the goose call. And you said, no, I want you to teach me how you did this. Um, 
that's pretty damn special, man. I mean, because we can all learn from each other, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm I'm always watching guys. I watch Tate. I mean, I I felt great joy when he pulled up today, and you said, "Hey, take take him that first goose." First one. Sitting there, feet down, just back flapping <laughs> in the decoys, and I mean, you put the he did the brakes he, on it. He did, yeah, and I was so happy. It's like I sh- I felt so happy for you. I mean, I felt like I had shot him. I know that that was a special moment for me. First time I've ever been in a pit hunting Canada geese like that. Uh, that was nice pretty correction. special. Nice correction. You did good. You wow, did that good. was quick. Yeah, you like that? Man, I I was we were in Oklahoma the other day and somebody said Canadian geese and my brother was like, "It's Canada geese." I'm like, "Clay, just chill out. <laughs> yeah, it's okay." <laughs> yes. No, they gotta understand. Hey, if, you if, did good. Yeah, you, you corrected that you. quick. Thank nice you. Work. Coming from a land where there's not many, there exactly, are some. Yeah. There are some in the Look, southeast. Not many. Yeah, on the golf course. Me and him <laughs> talked about it earlier. I, I mean, we grew up in a place like, how do we even love this sport? Yeah. How do you? I'll tell you how. But watching people like you, Chad. And Phil Robertson, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I watched the, the Duck Men and Fear the Beard and all that stuff. But, I mean, it was watching you and all of the others pave the way. And there was bumps along the road. But, I mean, we, we got into that the last podcast. Um, you, I mean, he's – an elite in his sport and I was an elite in my sport but we all have this passion to be waterfowl hunters and people like you were able to uh to teach us I hope so. it's yeah. pretty Thank special you. man come on I think it is I think that it's damn right. I, I don't want to quit learning either and I think that you know being in the pit today with I've never hunted with Larry I've never hunted with Ryan and when I when I hear them calling I'm like the first thing that goes off in my head when I hear Larry blow goose call is like I don't call like that but then I automatically remind myself, the guy's been doing it as long as I have. He's been successful at it, and it works for him. So learn what he's doing because maybe it's something that you could add to your mm-hmm. repertoire, your it, arsenal. It's a bit unorthodox. Yeah. Yeah. But it but, might work. But so they I call him going, the goose god. Here. Yeah, so I start thinking, like, I'm going to add some of those sounds. And I listen to Ryan. Ryan does a real gravelly, throat-heavy goose call. I don't. I try to blow as clean air as I can all the time, but it works for them. So I'm like, I'm going to add this, and I'm going to add that, and I'm going to throw this paint at the canvas. And I think that that's what's cool when you go hunting with somebody is that if you drop the ego at the door, check it at the door and be like, I'm just going to learn today. That's what this is all about. Because if you're not watching the animals and you're not learning what's going on, how many times we change the decoy spread today, how many times we called it geese that weren't interested, and then the two groups later they bit. What makes that group bite, but the two before it didn't? You can't always rely on the negative. You have to look at it like, we weren't meant to call those two flocks in today. They might have been called at a decoy spread yesterday. They might have yeah. just got here. Well, you said it, Chad. <clears throat> you said those aren't our geese. They're not our every, geese. Every group, and to me, that rang so true, man, because you're like, wow, why didn't they do it? Why did they do it? And yeah, you're, you're racking your brain like, oh, we can move these decoys here and do this. Every group's not going to be your group, man. No, you can't. No. You'd be, you, you know, and, and you said that, and, and, and I, um, that was something I learned today. It's like sometimes they're just not your geese. And a, and a famous football coach told me one time, he said, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You never stay the same, you know. And, and I think that's true. I mean, you're learning from people. I learned a lot today. You know, I try to take bits and pieces like you said. And you, you add that and you put that in your repertoire, man, in your tool bag, right? We yeah. all have tool bags. My favorite part about today's hunt was where we were. Because, you know, you're in a cornfield, pea field, 
bean field, barley field, winter wheat field, on water, on a sandbar, you don't really ever, and I'm not saying that I've never done it, but I hadn't done it in a while. We were in a pasture. We were in something that had pasture grass and, and a lot of gravel, a lot of rocks, but it wasn't a quote unquote crop. It wasn't full of something that waste it just, grain. It, well, yeah, it wasn't full of waste grain. And those geese are coming in there to just chill for the day, eat some of those gravels, pick at some of that grass, and it's kind of like their midday stop before they go back to their day loaf. Yes. And it was neat to see um, that it was all, I told you, it was like hunting on Mars. It was mm-hmm. like driving into that yeah. field. It was like on a, on a dirt track. You're like, you know, like an old school, like crash them up derby. You're just like bouncing up and down your truck. It wasn't smooth at all. I'm not saying that a rutted cornfield can't be rough, but that was a lot different than most dry field Canada goose situations. I, I've never, a couple of weeks ago, I came out here for the first time. I've hunted other locations with Larry and Ryan. A bunch of places. I came out here for the first time in the the terrain, the rolling hills, and we had ten inches of snow one night. And I had never experienced anything like that. Like you said, uh, that's the beauty of waterfowl hunt, man. Is that you get to see. It, it wasn't what I expected, you know. But today, you know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from you. I learned from Larry and Ryan every time I hunt with them. That uh, you know. Like today, none of those geese, to me, they that was their destination. The ones we killed, we earned. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was special to me. Yeah. yeah. You know, it wasn't a barn burner, although we wound up getting our limit. We banged. We made the most of our opportunities. But your calling and Larry and Ryan's and the flagging and the decoy placement, because we had to move things a couple times, you know? And, and that's the thing that you have to ask yourself is, like, sometimes it's warranted. And and when when Larry says, "Hey, it's time to move decoys," it's time to move decoys. Yeah. He's the boss. He knows this area. Me, I'm more of like, I don't see a lot of things that's stopping them from working mm-hmm. the original spread. We have to understand some things like this, and I want to talk about this today. Of like, people don't decoy a group of ducks or geese in the morning when the sun's not up, and they freak out. Oh God, we got to change the spread. And I'm like, dude. Do you understand that the sun's not up, the temperature's going to change here in a second, the lighting's going to change, the angle of the rays of the sun are going to change, the shadows are going to change, the, um, the, the, the wind might come up a little bit more, it might go down a little bit more when the sun comes up. Lighting, I try to tell people this all the time, lighting is everything in waterfowl hunting. A lot, of, a lot of people think, oh, it's got to be a dark, stormy, low ceiling, overcast day. And I'm like, no, I'm not saying you're not going to kill them. That's you, give me sunshine and, you give me sunshine and wind and cold, and we're going to kill mallards, and they're going to act like mallards. Mm-hmm. Same with Canada geese. I want to see them in sunshine, bright. <clears throat> but people like go, they're not working the right way. Well, just let the sun get up a little higher. Let this cloud move out of the way. Let that cloud move in the way a little bit. Let it cast a different kind of a shadow. You every The decoy spread does not look as real when it's a low light yeah. day just doesn't uv rays affect everything through the clouds sun sun rays and sunshine through the clouds affect things on decoy paint and the paint scheme of these decoys that we hunt over today which we are hunting in an unbelievable golden age of gear which mm-hmm. we could talk about on, on this podcast but when larry said hey we need to change something i go drop your ego at the door and get out of the blind and help change the decoy spread because he's seeing something that he doesn't like and that's the thing about i asked larry do you mind if axel hunts 
They have three dogs that are all badass labs. They said, heck yeah, Axel can hunt. I wasn't going to go, hey, we're here. And just so you know, we're not going to hunt unless Axel hunts. No. You don't act like that in this sport, in this lifestyle. You respect where you're at. You respect whose hunt you're on. You respect, hey, do you want me to call? Do you want me to flag? Is there too much calling? I want to know what's going on. And when Larry says something like, hey, we need to change this. We need to change this up. Then you act accordingly. You don't go into a hunt thinking that you're the end game in all of this because that's exactly what people get turned off by. Of Like, well, really? We don't care who you are. I've killed a lot of can of geese, and I've seen a lot more than I've killed die. But that doesn't mean that I know what's going on here. Larry hunted here yesterday morning. I didn't. So you got to take all that into consideration of who you're dealing with and what the situation calls for. Yeah, that's right. Um, Larry, I mean, he's cut his teeth here, man. I mean, he's, he's hunted that mound that we hunted today, you know, his whole existence. I mean, and he's he knows where the roost are and the angles and like you said the low light conditions people freak out you know we all know that ducks and geese they don't like shadows and they don't like dark holes and those kinds of things and the sun's angle shines down into the pit and you've got a shadow i mean there's a lot of variables to me it's all about variables and like you said you can't the first group comes in we were hunting public land i told you in arkansas and two or three days in the last day we banged. We didn't bang until the sun got directly overhead and it was bluebird. It's just a misnomer. Everybody thinks, oh, duck days are cold and dreary and this and that. The but black I mean, storm is coming. Yeah, the black I mean, cloud's coming. It's yeah, like, think, no, yeah. you don't need all no, that. No, man. It, when you see a hunt like that take place, Tate, and you're in the blind, you've won Talladega in NASCAR. Talk about anticipation what that word means and you land in a city yesterday you got a two-hour drive two and a half hour drive after you land do you picture that at all or do you does your anticipation take over of like i'm excited but i've been here i've won talladega i know what to expect or do you like go oh my god like because the senses of a waterfowl hunt still destroy me like i can't take it like i get woozy i get i get anxiety i get nervous i get all these different feelings that run through my body i get adrenaline i get happy i get whoa what was that supposed to happen like you you there's so many different senses that go off right what are you thinking in that pit today yeah so i got growing up I mean, I didn't start duck hunting, goose hunting until like two, three years ago. And uh, me and my buddies around the house, I mean, we'll wake up 3.30, put the boat in the water, drive 45 minutes, hour on the boat, get to a hole just to be there first and be happy shooting two or three wood ducks. So coming out here, I mean, I knew knew how we would be in the ducks or geese pretty good. I knew we'd at least see someone get a shot. And just traveling to a new state to hunt was was fun and exciting for me. I was looking forward to that, getting out of North Carolina. I do a lot of deer hunting too, and, and just traveling to new states, seeing new places, and just enjoying the scenery, just driving here from the airport, just being able to see the different countryside and everything was, was special. And uh, just getting there this morning, I mean, I was excited. I didn't really know what to expect. I knew we'd see some. I mean, you, you don't know where they're coming from. You don't know how many you're going to see. You don't know when they're going to come. You don't know if they're gonna decoy right and uh, just getting there, driving the trucks out across the field like you were talking about, trailer coming up, uh, unloading all those decoys and (laughs) never seen that many decoys before. 
putting the spread out and he then had snow goose hunted has he? Yeah, he has not snow goose hunted. <laughs> putting the spread out, then getting down in the pit and just waiting until you start hearing those first few honks. That was that's pretty special to me. It's neat, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the special. game of life, man. Oh, I love to it. me, yeah. it's the game of life. A lot of variables. Uh, you never know. I mean, each day is different. We weren't supposed to have much wind, or we yesterday afternoon we were supposed to have wind. We didn't. You have to adapt. You have to be able to change. Like you said, I mean, I get nervous too. It's like game day for me, man, because you want to be successful. This is your deal, man. This is your, I mean, this is your lifeblood, right? This is what you hang your hat on. And uh, it, to me, it's not about killing as many geese or killing our limit. It's a process, yeah. man. And uh, obviously, Chad is unbelievable at what he does. He wants us us to be successful. Yeah. You, I can tell. That means a lot to me. Larry, Ryan, they want us to be successful. Dude, there's a lot of passion and a lot of love that goes into it. It's just about the process, man. I agree. I think yeah. it's all about the process. But when you start talking about the process and you relate it to what you two do, when I was an athlete, I – I refer to a lot of what Ted Williams wrote in The Science of Hitting, the best baseball mm -hmm. book ever written. I think chapter four was titled Visualization. I'm a huge proponent of visualization. I visualized everything from whether I was in the on-deck circle or what we talked about in the last podcast on This Life Ain't For Everybody of breaking down tape and you know doing your scouting process. I visualize. If he throws me a pitch on the inside half, I'm going to do this. If he throws me a, a change up away, I'm going to let the ball get deep. I'm going to hit it into the opposite field. I visualize that. When I was in center field, I was like, what am I going to do if the ball's hit to me? Is there a guy on third? Am I throwing to my cutoff man? Am I trying to do this and backdoor guy? Uh, the greatest athletes in the world visualize. You have to think two or three steps ahead. So in your two's opinion, are when you guys come on a hunt, okay, you're not speckle belly hunting. You're no, you love to speck hunt in I Arkansas. Do. You call specks, but yeah. you don't call Canada geese. You live in wood duck country in Carolina. Yeah. You don't call Canada geese. So you don't have the call around your neck. You don't have the flag in your hand. Are you still visualizing as athletes? Does that prowess take over of like, all right, the wind's doing this. I know as a waterfowl hunter, the geese are going to come in like this. I'm going to stand up. I got to shoulder my gun. I got to do all this stuff, click my safety off. How important is the art of visualization to both of you? I think it's big just staying a step ahead. I mean, duck hunting, racing, playing football. You can't, you can't just like live in the moment, kind of just go with the flow. You got to always be thinking ahead and, yeah. and just proactive versus reactive. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, then also just like watching, I mean, even though I didn't have the call, I didn't have the flag, but just watching like when they would call, when they'd call louder, softer calls, when he'd use the flag, just learning as much as I could was yeah. important to me. Yeah, the, you know, first of all, I'd like to touch on this, and I think this is cool. We've known each other for a couple of years, and uh, this is the first opportunity that I've had to hunt with you. And people listening, they don't know. The, your process. I see you this morning warming up, doing burpees and jumping jacks, and it it never dawned on me. This is a physically demanding sport, man. It's oh, yeah. a grind, people want to call it. I don't look at it like that. I mean, that's, it's a passion. But it takes its physical toll. You warm up, man, just like you're playing a damn game. Yeah. And it clicked with me. And then you were like, man, I'm dehydrated. He's got water. You're staying hydrated. People get lost in the moment, man, but you got to stay hydrated. You got to warm up. You got to do all the things to prepare yourself to be successful. And I just wanted people to know what I saw because not everybody gets a chance to hunt with you. Right. Um, and then we talk about hunting. Look, I love the speckle belly hunt. 
I consider myself a really good speckle belly hunter. I don't hunt Canadian geese, but I learned, like you said, Tate, you today. You correct yourself on yeah, that one. Yeah, in Canada's. Oh, yeah, yeah, you correct me. Thank you. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> See, that tells you how lax I am when it comes to hunting hawkers. You noticed it, too. Call in sequence. You know, when the geese started working away, they're hitting them hard and everybody's on them, you know, and they're moaning and doing their things when the geese are coming in. Stuff that I've never done. But I take that little tidbit, man, um, because I now I'm inspired. I want to get me a Tim Grounds call. Yeah, that's, that's I want to get I was, me a call. I want to learn how to call like Chad Bell. Yeah, I'll, that's what I was thinking. There's about. a lot of, listen, you ain't going to pick that call up and be able to rip it like that. No. But but uh, there's a lot of years, and uh, I don't know. I just, I really respect that. I think I think that what you're saying rings true to me because you mentioned Tim and, and what he meant to me as far as, like, learning. And it's not easy like i couldn't get in a truck and do 195 miles an hour around that track and do what you do of swerving in and out and and, and yeah. catching what you call the quote unquote drift and, yeah, and, and see being, the air. being five inches from another hey, guy's rear talking bumper. about having that light a quarter mm-hmm. i mean dude it's just strange stuff man. yeah and then you and football you know you go out and you 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 could play flag football and i could run a a fly pattern and catch a football but when you're freaking going when you break down the art of football and the strategy behind it you're like i don't you can't do it on that level there's a different process that it takes to be jerry rice jerry rice very rarely dropped a pass think about that yeah. this guy's going against the you, best dbs in the world the best middle why? linebackers in the world because he he perfected his craft every day every day just like mm-hmm. you do chad every you, day you work to perfect your craft you did your jumping jacks you warmed up today you were hydrated you did all of the small things the little things in offensive line play we call it little things footwork hand placement these kinds of things that are important to get the job done you do those things, and I was blessed today yeah. to get to see that. Yeah, and I thought it was important. I was like, man, I want to say that. Just I'm going to start warming yeah. up, dude, because, I mean, it's just, it is. I love to hunt ducks and geese, but, uh, I mean, it's not easy. Yeah. I had a coach tell me if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Well, if you think about how hard consistent success is, mm. there's – there's not a lot of waterfowl hunters in this country. There's 14 million deer hunters. There's four and a half million turkey hunters. There's more predator hunters than there are duck and goose hunters. There, there's got to be a reason why there's not as many duck and goose hunters. Yeah. One, it's, it's a big investment. You got to oh, have an look, arsenal. Look here, you got to, you got to bring it. You got to bring it investment-wise. You got to have an arsenal. Whether you're a water hunter or dry field hunter or both, trailers and UTVs and ATVs and decoys and dog training and 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 guns and ammo and calling and the time and and the leases and everything that goes into it. Not to say that you can't spend big money on a deer lease, but deer hunting really to be successful in the Whitetail Woods, you need a 270 and an orange vest and a bullet hey and you got to have lots of time yeah and you know what i'm saying you got to be willing to sit you got to be willing to sit but you with with the money investment it scares people away then you got the weather i ain't getting up at 5 a.m and standing in ice and breaking ice and standing in water and treading through water and i'm not doing that and then third it's difficult now everybody's going to look at me and go dude i i'm a dull sheep hunter i'm a i'm a sheep hunter at ten thousand feet i've done that i know it's hard now, if I drew a sheep tag 
and I know that it's going to be physically demanding, I'm going to have a pack on and I'm going to be hiking. I'm going to be treadmilling. I'm going to be getting my breathing yeah. down, my systematic breathing. I'm going to learn my diaphragm breathing. I'm going to learn everything that goes in to becoming that athlete, that athletic prowess coming out of me. I'm going to be like, okay. But I'll. these guys can't do that day in and day out. And so at waterfowl hunting, people go, well, you don't need to be a sheep hunter shape. If you're in shape as a waterfowl hunter, you're going to be much yeah. better in the long run. Yeah. If you're doing it 120 days like we are, and you're up every morning, and you're trudging through water, and you're picking up decoys. We had arms of decoys mm-hmm. today of 12 decoys or 8 to 10 decoys on each arm. And you're going back and forth. And then you're jumping in and out of the pit. And then you're tra- getting out with your dog. And then you're getting out to retrieve birds with your dog. And then you're getting out to change the decoy spread. You're doing all this stuff. It's not about... Well, I'm going to go run a marathon. I don't need to be Cameron Haynes to be in duck hunting shape. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is that I want my knees to feel good. I want my joints to feel good. I want my tendons to feel good. I want to be able to move around and not hurt my lower back Mm -hmm. jumping in and out of that pit. So being in shape is a big part of it, right? And then the success of can you communicate? Can you call them? Can you talk to them? Can you have addiction with them, a vocabulary with them, a conversation with them? Can you identify a duck? If a speckle belly came in a day, could you look up there and go, oh, that's a that's a bar goose. That's a white front that's goose. That's a speckle. That's a great, if you're, great dude. You if, you're, if you're duck hunting, can you go, that's a gadwall. I'm going to shoot it. Oh, shit. That's a hen sprig. Are you good enough? Well, this is what intimidates people from becoming proficient in this, in this lifestyle because it's not easy. That's a canvasback. Well, how many can I kill? Well, I'm in Louisiana. I can kill two. Well, I'm in Idaho. I can kill one. Wait. Is it federal law or is it state law? California versus Arkansas. Yeah, it's like like, there's so much that goes into it. And people want to, oh, all you do is stand up against a tree or ride a boat. No. This is a very demanding sector of hunting. But it's very rewarding because of today. And here's – I want to ask you guys this. Here's how I got rewarded today. One, you never know how you're going to – come across to somebody or be become friends with somebody until you really get in into the groove of like wow i wonder if this guy's going to be a friend for life or are we just going to be here for a couple days and then we're gone i i knew today that me and ryan me and justin uh, larry and i are going to stay in touch yeah then you start dealing with the birds can i kill canada geese here like i killed them last week in wyoming are they are they leery birds have they been seen it all have they been there done that are they very educated are they very highly pressured you never know what you have going into the hunt so i learned today i'm going to work on my patience more i'm not going to judge like we just talked about i'm not going to jump to conclusions right away that's the biggest mistake in waterfowl hunting is jumping to conclusions right away you have to let the earth warm up you have to let the sun come up. You have to let brightness take effect. So I started to think about today as a whole of like, how can we be better at showcasing how special this lifestyle truly is? It's not a big 400-inch bull elk. It's a can of goose. I see those in the park all the time. My daughter feeds bread to them. But that's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's not what's going on out here. When you see them do their things and you're underneath them, you're like, oh, my God. This is heaven, right? Yeah. And that's what I want. That's what I took out of today's hunt when we're talking about visualization and learning. I took out how can I showcase this more of what it means. So my brain automatically goes to, let's produce this in a different way. I want you to get this shot. I want you to get this audio recording. I want. To, I have this vision now of this episode coming out of what I want it to look like when people watch this episode of the Foul Life. I want people to be like, I got to try this. This isn't. We're not in water. No. It's not too cold. It was 34 when we woke up today. We can do this. 
But people are intimidated by it because everything that goes with this deal. You mentioned the boat ramps in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. I've seen full-blown fistfights. There's been wrecks. There's been broken arms. There's been people killed. Because of the, they're going, it's like a Bassmasters at four yeah. in the morning in the dark. People that's, are that's what I told you. Yeah. People are that mad at it. I mean, it's a NASCAR race and boat lanes, you know, and they've they have changed laws and rules for the safety of of everybody. It's so I mean, it's so competitive. But I did, I, like you said, Chad. I I learned a lot today too. I learned, and, and I learn. I take bits and pieces from every hunt. I learned that, like you said. Give it time to to for everything to kind of settle down, you know. Let the sun get up, let the wind do what it's gonna do, you know. I mean, geese they act different everywhere. This is different terrain, rolling hills, you know. I mean, I, I'm used. I mean, every time that I've hunted uh, these honkers, it's been in Saskatchewan, you know, and it's yeah, flat. Far, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 a different animal, and you have to approach each each hunt differently but i'm just taking bits and pieces like i said put them in my tool belt and uh and i'll, I'll never know it all but i'll be better prepared next time tomorrow i'm gonna be better prepared you have to and that's the thing that you take out of it like when you're when you go into a situation of a nascar race and you have a track talladega is different than daytona daytona is different than vegas there's there's a lot of different factors that you have to make split second decisions in what justin talked about in adaption can you adapt and you have to understand that in this game of water fouling in this what we call the foul life you have to be unorthodox you have to be able to think outside the box you have to be able to take risks mm-hmm. everybody's like oh okay in business the only risk is a risk not taken. Can you bet yeah. on yourself? Can you quit your job and say, I'm starting a business and not have a steady paycheck for two years? Not a lot of people ever mm-hmm. take that risk. The ones that do, some of them get rewarded. Some of them have to go back and get a job a couple years later. And waterfowl hunting, you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to put out a smaller decoy spread. I'm going to run my decoy spread longer. I'm going to hunt out of ground blinds as opposed to a panel blind today. I'm going to take a risk. Well, what if at 10 a.m. you haven't killed nothing? You're sitting there going, Gosh dang, all it takes is one doing it for you to go, okay, I, le- I got this down now. My panel blind wasn't hidden right. My ground blinds weren't concealed right. My flagging was a little off. My calling didn't, whatever it is, you have to be unorthodox and think outside the box because cookie cutter is not going to cut no. it anymore no. in, the, in today's age of waterfowl. There's a lot more pressure. There's so much pressure on on different areas of this country, whether it's Arkansas or Oklahoma. Even though there's not many duck and goose hunters, there's di- there's certain parts of this country where there's a saturated. lot. It's saturated and a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Canada is one of them. There's a lot of Americans that go to Canada that put pressure on those birds at an early time. They're seeing Damn. mojos at six months old. Do you, so I mean, ha- that's, a, that, the, that's a great that you brought that up. I mean, I could go on and on about it. I wonder what that does over time to our hunts in Arkansas. Arkansas has been so poor the last couple of years, everybody's going to Canada to hunt. Then we go to Canada and we kill more ducks than we've ever killed. Are we hurting ourselves, you know, by by killing such a large population or educating them by the time they get to Arkansas so it's a catch-22. Well, you think about, like, where what is happening with the flyways. Like, are the flyways really shifting? Like, is Oklahoma 
have a lot of the ducks that used to be a little bit east in its neighboring state of Arkansas? Is that because of the pressure up north? Is that because so many people went to North Dakota last year in COVID because nobody could go to Canada to where a lot of those ducks in, in North Dakota now are being pressured by way more people than they're used to? Yeah. Just south of there in South Dakota, you have to draw a tag as a non-resident, so there's not as much pressure. But there's so many factors that go into hunting a migratory bird of by the time they get to Oklahoma, and you, we killed mallards last week in Oklahoma like we were really good at it. But I was like, how are we doing this when they are all the way in the southernmost part of their flyway? They're not going to go to Mexico. Mallards do mm-hmm. not go to Mexico. Those mallards are going to stay in Oklahoma and go to South Oklahoma. They might go to Southeast Texas, somewhere in there, but they're not going to Mexico. So how are we having success? And I look at it like, okay, here's what we did. We scouted. We hid right. We did the things that we could do that were in our control. We can't control if those ducks come in and go, nope. We're good. We've seen that decoy spread. The first thing that we do, though, is we freak out and we blame it on ourselves. We never give the birds the credit. Mm -hmm. How do we not know that those Canada geese that didn't work our spread today knew what was up? We gave it up. I mean, they have have the will to live. You know what I'm saying? How could they not? Yeah, of course. Um, So I'm with you. I, you know, I ask myself a lot of, a lot of times, I, I know that, you know, people talk about global warming and, and, and flyaways shifting and, you know, all this kind of stuff and, and how Arkansas has been so poor the last couple of years. Um, you know, I mean, things change, man. They do. I mean, that's that's a constant, right? The things only thing changing. that stays the same yeah, yeah. things I mean, change. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and, and you just have to adapt. That's what we talked about earlier. I mean, you have to be able to adapt. And uh, I mean, and and that's what we're, you know, that's what we're doing. And and I had that question like, you know, Arkansas has not been what it's been the last couple of years, you know, that it was in the past. And everybody's going to Canada, and you know, everybody's freaking out. You know. Well, there's there's no question that Arkansas is not like it. in ninety nine two thousand, which was the heyday of Arkansas in the did, modern. Did you era. see it? Did you hunt that era? That was my first time ever in Arkansas. Okay, so I didn't. Tell me about. It was totally different. It was it was every day you had a shot in the trees. The weather was right. The rivers were out. The water, t- you know, the water levels were right. But the ducks were still pouring into Arkansas in a normal migratory route. Why are there still ducks right now at this time that we're talking about? Think about this. I saw 50,000 mallards in Wyoming in the last seven days. Okay. Why are they still there? How resilient are these birds That's a great point. It's probably because of our farming practices. It's probably because of the amount of agriculture. Why else would they be there? They don't have any reason to move south. Listen, I was in, in you, Tate, probably can appreciate this being a you know i've been duck hunting for a, uh, a little longer than you yeah but i've noticed and, and it's people they get confused they say hey look uh um it's, it's getting cold up north there's some snow uh we're waiting on a big push of ducks that's not enough to get the ducks to migrate. Look, no. we saw mallards here today in nebraska and every pond is completely frozen over that's not going to make a mallard duck migrate. Mallards are going to stay as long as there's not snow cover on the ground and they can get to the food. They'll sleep on the ice. They do that. Yeah. They've adapted. 
right? <clears throat> they don't want to fly any farther than they have to to expend any more energy because that that hires the mortality rate. Okay, I mean, so everybody that you know they think, hey, well, man, it's getting cold up north. All you know, there's ice up, such and such. It's not. It's twenty degrees. That's yeah. not enough to make them ducks leave. Yeah, man. me, me and my buddies. I mean, when I was younger hunting, we'd always talk about that too. I mean, getting a cold front might get some more ducks in. But look, and I did too, man. We didn't know any better. Yeah, but uh, coming back from Illinois last week when we were when I was deer hunting out there, it got cold for three or four days. Everything was pretty much iced up. I mean, driving home, you'd see mallards and geese sitting on the ice. Yeah. It's still there. It's like, not. Tons of it's them not too. enough. And Chad can t- can elaborate, but. I think that a lot of young, like novice hunters or people that don't travel as much think, hey, okay, it's 20 degrees up north, every duck's going to pour south. You know, there's flight ducks that are yeah. going to come to Arkansas in October every year, okay? But then most of them, or the majority of them, are not going to leave until the food source is completely covered. They're going to sleep on the yeah, ice. That's what and we're doing. seeing that in Wyoming. We're seeing that in Nebraska. We've seen ducks here today. Yeah. And they're going to they're gonna do whatever it takes to keep the water open where they're at. Yeah. Whether yeah, it's a river system or a bigger water, the, the, the ducks are going. A lot of people think like, well, it's going to be so cold in the morning. Those ducks have been sitting all night. They're going to feed like crazy. No. There's a couple reasons why. One the earth is cold and they can't just run out and fly into a cornfield and just start chowing there it's they can't yeah. they can't eat like that no. the, the, the earth is frozen so they got to let the sun get up and warm things up i've seen ducks go two days without eating you start to pattern the other reason they won't come off is because they know when they leave that water it's going to freeze mm-hmm. so they're going to they're going to stay on that water as long as they can, go out, feed, and then get back to it. The other reason, the third reason, is that they know that as soon as they move their neck and they start to posture up and then they take off, that's just like you and me doing burpees, okay? Yeah. That's, they're, they're exerting energy now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now they got to be like, oh, my gosh, i got to get more carbohydrates. i got to get more proteins. So those three reasons right there why ducks are going to sit and sit tight. It takes a lot for a mallard duck to migrate. And I just don't think that people realize that, and I didn't realize that, like you said yeah. earlier, until you actually travel and you see that they do not leave until they absolutely have to. Until they cannot eat anymore. Yeah, they got to get they got to get eight ten inches of snow on the food source. That's it. Or they got to have no moving water. Yeah. They they will sleep on the ice. Don't get yeah, me wrong. I, I yeah. was telling him I saw some just sitting out on the ice. There was one hole when we were driving back from Illinois. Probably had like a thousand geese and ducks on it. They, they had kept it open because we drove like an hour south and everything was still frozen. So they were just staying in that I mean, area, they, I guess. They don't want to expend the energy, man, because it's about survival. Survival. Yeah. And they're migrating. They're migrating thousands of miles. Yeah. So you know, there's that. We go back to what I was talking about. Is like there's a lot of factors that deter people from experiencing what we experience today, mm-hmm. and that's so sad. Of like, what does it take for somebody to have that happen today and be like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to stop doing this. Like I've been, I've seen. I've just last week I saw 500 lesser Canada geese at a time do what we were watching today. Picture that back paddle, yeah. but right there yeah. in front of me. I've only seen that one time, and it's magical. I've seen it so much, and today yeah, watching today was magical. Watching, <laughs> watching, yeah, and watching three Canada geese do it today was magical to yeah. me. That's what's cool about this is that I know that coming up here right now, I'm not going to see what I saw in Oklahoma last week. It's part of the game, but I am going to see something that's totally different yeah. than what I'll ever experience in Oklahoma. And that was a Mars-type <laughs> landscape. 
we were hunting on the moon today, pretty much. That's <laughs> yeah. why. I mean, hey, that's why I felt like, yeah. I felt like we were. I felt like we were hunting on the moon. Yeah, today. like dirt or whatever around the pit. It I looked mean, like it's, Mars. Hey, like, didn't it? It's completely sheet. different. But I think that the best way to put that is, you know, people that are scared to take those chances because of the physicality or or the challenges is that you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, man. Michael Jordan. No. That, Wayne Gretzky. That right? I think it's Wayne Gretzky. I mean, come on, man. I mean, that is that. You do. That's yeah. true. You do. That's I mean, just th- like today, you put us on. You put us on. You put us on the platform today. You said, "Hey, Tate, you're up, dude." You could have been scared to get up there and win. Yeah, of course <laughs> yeah. you did. What is that wrong do? for me to do? No, no, I think it was uh, awesome. I'm you glad know why? You did it. Because he's a stinking winner, man. That's why he is who he is. And you did the same to me. And you know what I did? Whiffed. I whiffed. <laughs> yeah, I whiffed. But you know what? You'll have none of them big jobs, won't you? <laughs> you have to. Yes. That's, that's the thing. I'm is, not scared, man. No, you can't be. I, you can't be. You have to be able to you have you have to be able to rise there's there's something to be said about what he just talked about. You have to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. I'll go to a sporting clay event and I'll get invited to shoot in probably fifteen of them a year. I'll go out there and people are like, Why do you shoot so fast? Why don't you take your time and see the birds? I'm like, because I'm all in, I'm an instinctual shooter. Yeah. You show me the birds, I'm shooting. You don't need to show me a false pair. I don't need to see a false pair. Just when I say pull, I want to instinctually shoot them. And I might shoot a 69 or 70. You put me in the duck blind, and my instincts take over, like what they're going to do, how they're going to cup up, goose blind, what they're going to do, what their wingspan is going to do, how they're going to slow down their flight, whatever mm-hmm. they're going to do. It's a completely different thing. So my instincts are keen to the hunt. That's me. Yeah, and it I does hunt. you no justice going to the, the, the clay shoot or the sporting clays because there's going to be people that are going to shoot better than you oh, yeah. because that's not your game. Yeah. But you're not scared of it yeah. because you know your game is in that pit yeah. calling them geese and you're going to bang and you're going to fold them up like this. Cody, Cody Cannon, who you mentioned today, who, yeah. who's becoming a good friend of mine. He's the lead singer of Whiskey Myers. One of the best bands in America right now. They're amazing. Yeah. He did a song for us the other night. It's coming out on his new record. It's called The Wolf. And it, one of the, the, the hook, the, the chorus, ends like this. You're playing for fun. I'm playing to eat. And when I heard that line, I went, I just said it just now and I got goosebumps, no pun intended. Like, I just got oh, chilled. Yeah. When Cody said it the other night in the lodge in Oklahoma, he goes, you're playing for fun. I'm Because play, I thought he was going to say, I'm playing for keeps. He said, I'm playing to eat. And I went, Holy shit! Yeah. Like that is what life's about. Like I'm, pu- I'm, I'm doing this to put food on the table. I, I'm not saying that I can't afford to go buy a burger or a steak, but I'm playing to eat. Like mm-hmm. I look at my hunt through a, a telescope, a microscope, I should say, that. I'm living off the land. Yeah. I'm not going to disrespect these animals and say. I told Larry today when we're cleaning these geese. He's like, "What are we going to do with all these?" I'm like, "I already know." I already visualized it. You're going to do this. And he goes, boom, gets on the phone, calls one of his guys. They're picking up 20 pounds of pork butt. Yeah. Yeah. I was was listening to that, We're getting the grinder out tomorrow. He says, let's do it tomorrow when we we get him. We'll have our possession limit if everything goes right. We're going to make unbelievable meat that you guys will be able to take home with you if you want. You'll be able to fly it if you want in a cooler but it'll be ground and processed to where it does not go against your possession limit because now it's it's been processed mm-hmm. it's you're That's good right. yeah. it's been made into into burger into sausage into ground and so now i'm visualizing that of like when cody said that line i'm like 
this life is so special, and this is why. 20% of Americans hunt. Or excuse me, that's a lie. 10% of Americans hunt. 10% of Americans are against hunting. 80% of Americans are on the fence. They don't know because they've never been mentored. They've mm-hmm. never seen what we saw today. They've never sat in a room with Cody Cannon and heard that lyric of like, wow, there really is a way to hone your skill set to become a provider. You can't look at me and say, and you never will persuade me. You could be the richest man in the world like Bezos, and you could be the poorest man in the world that's living in a cardboard box. There's never been a lifestyle like that of one that can hunt and fish and provide with that daily bounty. There's just not. You'll never persuade me. I think, I have to agree with you, I think that the greatest compliment that anybody could ever give you is that they tell you that you're a great woodsman. Yep. To me, it's special. Can you build a fire? Dude, to me, to me, like, I don't care, like, Super Bowl MVP, but... I want somebody to say, hey, Justin, man, you're a hell of a woodsman. To me, that would be the greatest compliment because I know the shit goes down. I'm going to be able to take care of mine, yeah. and I'm going to help whoever I can. And that's, and that's the thing about what I was saying is that if you are one of those 80% that don't know, and during COVID was a great time to understand this because I had people come to me going, what are we eating? That's wild turkey. Where did you get it? Uh, I killed him. Where? In Missouri. How? Oh, I did this. Oh, my gosh. I want to go. That's why hunting license sales are up. They want to know where their food came from. Now, look, it didn't take COVID for me to understand what being alone meant. Mm -mm. I'm fine being alone. I'll sit in the turkey woods all day. I'd rather be in a duck blind with a couple buddies. But hunters are used to isolation. Mm -hmm. I got it. And then you know what I was like? I was like, look at my freezers. I don't have to worry about these news reports saying everything ran out of stock. I was giving food away. I know hey, you want I'm going to be okay. You want oh, some? Yeah. I'm gonna, and For I was sure. able to take care of my neighbors and my but, friends. And, and that's important, too. Like, I know my family's going to be okay, but extended family and everybody. But I wish that everybody could experience what we experienced today, that they that their eyes could be open. Like you said earlier, it, man, it's Scripture. It's in the Bible. It is. I mean, dude. You take that to the bank. Arise, kill, and eat. That's it. Take that to the bank. That's the truth. And to me, I just think that God has given us such a an opportunity, man. I mean, and you, we're to be stewards, obviously. Yeah. Like you said, you don't have to shoot early or shoot late and all that stuff. I mean, you, you're going to be given plenty of opportunities, man. Do it right. Do it right. Do it right. Do it right. Because, because that's the old saying. The old analogy is do the right thing when nobody's looking. Character. Mm-hmm. You, you have to I want I want my daughter Alyssa who is hunted on the show and she's loves to eat wild game I want her to know that I wasn't out there only doing it right when the cameras were on I look down at people that don't do it right. yeah. have I made mistakes in my life heck yeah but I will tell you this straight up I have never went out and broke a, a game law intentionally 
I can tell you the honest God truth that I never have either. Yeah. But, I've made mistakes. We've, we've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. Our dog brought back a cripple that we didn't know was out there. Right. You And you just got to be honest and transparent. Shit happens. Yeah. If the game warden chooses to write you up, then so be it. You got to own it, right? You got to own it. But yeah. I've never went out and went no. like, oh, my God. It's been two – October and November were 60, 70 degrees. It's December. The mallards are here. I'm I'm so mad at them. Yeah. I'm going to go hey, wax that get ass. Get them while they're here. I'm not going to do it. Man, you can't. Hey, my 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 whole deal is, you know, you live to play another day. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. my that's my whole outlook on it. You know, is that tomorrow? You know, I, I just believe that you do the right things, you'll be rewarded. Yeah. In the, that's in the, that's what character and that's what having the the overall aptitude of being able to shoulder negativity or shoulder defeat and failure and loneliness like people are afraid of darkness Mm -hmm. people are afraid of depression if you are a human being you've been depressed you've been sad you've been dark you've been lonely if you are afraid to shoulder that then you need to figure that out because it's going to take you over the people that can't shoulder that are the ones that get taken over by so when you were when you when you talk about hunting and you talk about what it teaches me and what it has taught me. It's to be able to bear that because I've been alone. I've made mistakes. I, I messed up a marriage. I've done shit to where um, to, when we were talking uh, yesterday or today about the therapy of hunting. I can't remember. It was exact. me and you talking. It was, we were talking about the therapy of hunting. Yeah. Hunting brings that to me of like, you know what? I'm going to be okay. I've been in the yeah. darkest places. My well, everybody's like, "Well, I see you on TV and everything's fine." That's the problem with social media: is that everybody's living their best life. Nobody yeah. understands that that person that has the tenacity to take their phone and put it on reverse camera and do this dance to get likes. They're happy for that time, hey, but they're they're also it, living it a regular life too. I mean, but they a lot of these people are lacking that they need that attention. I I agree with you. Um, share something with you real quick. Um, my contract year in San Fran, we're playing Seattle at home in San, uh, in Candlestick. And I played the worst game ever in my life. I gave up two sacks. Would have gave up four sacks, but they were two holding calls. Mm. So I had to hold the dude and tackle him, Patrick Kearney for the Seahawks. I mean, I had to take him down. Played awful. Riding home with my wife and my kids. San Fran radio show, they're calling for my head, man. These fans are calling in and they're crushing me. Crushing me. So he's the worst, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I was on suicide watch because this is my life, you know? This is everything that I just poured my life. And I had a bad game. Dude, I made the decision. I was like, you know what? I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to work my ass off this next week. Four games later, end of the season, I was the highest paid guard in the NFL. In the history of the NFL. History of the NFL. Because I didn't go in the hole, man. Yeah. I didn't listen to the critics. Yeah. You know? And that, and, but a lot of people do. And, yeah. and it's hard because I wanted to. I mean, I, I wanted to. I mean, that's, that's human. I mean, we don't want the negativity, man. I didn't want it either, but you have, it's fight you, or flight, if, right? If you can't, you're going to face this. You're younger yeah. than us by a lot. And life is not easy. Yeah. And and when you relate it to waterfowl hunting, which I always go back to it, is relax. Take a deep breath. If you're sad, be sad. Mm-hmm. Brent Cobb, my good buddy, taught me, it's okay. Yeah. Wake up and be in the dark. 
understand what it means to live like that because it's just going to make you stronger on the other mm -hmm. side. But people go, oh, my God, I'm depressed. And they automatically look for a solution, whether it's medication yeah. or a doctor visit. When I look at it like what he just said, I look at it like I woke up today. I'm not talking about me personally today. I'm saying that I've had no, days yeah, like this. Yeah. You wake up and you're like, I don't want to do it. Yesterday didn't go the way I wanted it. I got fried yesterday. I lost a contract. I did terrible in a negotiation. And you're like, I'm over. I'm you done. don't want to stick over. your deck back out there, do you, Chad? Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. And then I go, you know what? <laughs> this life is too special. Yeah, I'm getting back on top. And that's the thing is that if, if everybody had what we're talking about, we related to the smallest details in the world of learning to be a better waterfowl hunter. If people just went, oh, my God, that does relate to life, you would be like, wow, think outside the box. Mm -hmm. Be unorthodox. Well, I woke up today and I didn't feel too good. I felt down. Well, get up and do some jumping jacks. Go <laughs> yeah. on a walk. Get your dog and go on a walk and breathe God's air. Mm -hmm. go, under, go out on your driveway when it's 30 degrees or 25 degrees in your bare feet and let that cold earth radiate through you and see what your mind does. There's different techniques and different things in life yeah. that if you just open up your horizons and go, I'm going to be unorthodox. I'm going to think a little bit about it, and I'm not going. I'm not going to accept the fact yeah. that I'm sad right now. Mm -hmm. You can't because win if you don't play sad. the game, no. man. Yeah, everybody right? gets sad. Yeah. So we we were going back to why people don't waterfowl hunt. It's because they can't ex accept the fact that it's almost impossible to be consistently successful. Most deer hunters that get a whitetail tag in Kansas can kill a deer. Yeah. Now, it might be an archery hunter that's looking for a 180 that might let his tag go dead, but mo you can kill a deer. But to be consistently successful in waterfowl hunting because the season is so long and there's so many different variables of it, you have to look at it like life. Like, what does it take to be different? What does it take to do things different? And think outside of that box. Is it there? Are you looking for the therapy? Are you looking for the adrenaline? Are you looking for the rush? How do you identify success? Yeah. How right? Do, yeah. How do you do it? Yeah, is, is, it is it limits? If it's limits, you're going to be sadly yeah. disappointed, man. Tiger Woods said it just okay. took one chip shot. One chip shot in the, in the worst round he could be playing. One chip shot. He couldn't wait to get back to the course the next day. Yeah, you, you talk about uh, the challenges of waterfowl hunting, like turning people away. For me, that kind of like draws me into it, just being able to try to learn as much as I can, just see how changing, moving the decoy spread, the call and that. Like As far as deer hunting too, like I'd always be the person to be bow hunting during rifle season. I just like the challenges and, and just... Trying to be a better That's a good mindset. Trying to be a better hunter. I, I do like that, dude. I that's mean, that's a good awesome, mindset. man, yeah. because that's going to bring you closer to that deer, mm -hmm. you know, and you got to hone your skills. Yeah, I just like being a better I, hunter I, overall. I think that that's, that's awesome, man, and that's a great, great mindset to have. And that's kind of the way I approach duck hunting. Mm -hmm. Duck hunting is, to me, and I mean this, like there is nothing in life, and I'm not talking like I understand the the birth of your kids and my yeah, nobody I completely will, understand nobody you don't yeah nobody will ever understand what my daughter exception. means to me okay but duck hunting and goose hunting to to see it done the way that it was intended yeah. and to know that these ducks have been doing this for uh, hundreds of years they've been coming down these flyways and to think about the time that we got to have today we're warm. We're hunting over decoys that are breeding a smarter bird. Hmm. We're shooting guns that, are you kidding me? My grandpa would laugh at me. Yeah. We're shooting ammo that 
most people would be like, okay, well, you could kill an army with that. Mm -hmm. We are driving trucks into the field that are $80,000. We have enclosed trailers with decoys and lights and heaters and duh, 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 and we're cooking breakfast in the blind. I mean, we're living in the freaking golden yeah. age of hunting. We could always sit here and go, man, I wish I'd have been alive when it was the gold. What, what was the golden age? Being in rubber hip boots with canvas on them that you were freaking soaking wet and freezing your ass off. We have the most unbelievable insulation and rain protection mm -hmm. and wind protection. Decoys that are so anatomically correct that you can't tell them between a real goose. We have weather reporting now that we hit an app and we go, Oh shit, we're gonna on, set up yeah. here tomorrow. On, and on then, demand. And then we go onto another app like Onyx or something, be like, well, there's the landowner, there's the property line, there's this, there's the BLM, there's the private property, the public property. We're living we, in the we're best living age in ever. The golden age. So if for hunters we have no excuse then to accept it of like uh -huh. be sad if you want. Get down to the dumps, kick the dirt when your dog doesn't bring back. I got frustrated with Axel today one time. One time he did something today and I looked at it and I'm like, you know what? How in the can I be upset at a dog that is literally out here, barely weighs more than these geese do, and he's dragging them 600 freaking feet yeah. for me or hey, 200 yards? How can I ever? To please you. Yeah, to please us. Yeah. How could you ever get frustrated yeah. enough to be like, this sucks? Yeah, there was a comedian, can't. Louis C.K., he's on a plane, and he's, he's on his Wi-Fi, and it goes out, and the person behind him is like, this sucks. I can't get on the Internet. And he's like, you're in a tube flying through the clouds at 700, at 700 miles. miles an hour like that's how i look at life how blessed are we yeah. to be waterfowl hunters at this time and time and day in the history of the world of like oh my gosh we get to see what we saw that's today special. because you, you'll, you'll never be happy if you don't get back to your roots right yeah um and and i i learned that it, today was great for me like hunting with you guys, um, sometimes it takes that, you know, to, you know, a certain situation will humble you. And, uh, you know, I talked about it earlier. I mean, like, man, you just got to go out there and you got to put your best foot forward, right? And you got to be willing to adapt and uh, roll with the punches, man. I mean, but you can't base it, base your success on limits. And, and, and I learned that a long time ago. You can't. Dude, the, the whole the whole the thing about limits and the smiles make piles and and the social media is that this is not a competition this is not an ego game i don't care how good of a duck caller you are i don't care i've been around the best in the world i've stayed at john stevens house i've hunted with bobby joe willie i've hunted with trey crawford i've hunted with jim ronquest i could go on and on i'm not name dropping it's a fact. Those guys don't give a shit how good a duck hunters are. John Stevens set himself apart because he's an unbelievable businessman, an entrepreneur, a designer. He understands that he can give people something. His legacy is going to be unbelievable. He's, he's so well-rounded. Yes. And just like Butch, Butch's legacy was not just that he won the world duck and the champion of champions and that he started Rich and Tone Duck Calls in Southern Arkansas. He was willing to teach He them. gave back to kids every yeah. day. Yeah. It's, that was his legacy. So every every you could look at it till you're blue in the face. I know the best goose hunters of all time. I knew Tim Grounds. I know Fred Zink. I know Jeff Foyles. I know the guys that you look at and be like, man, I wish I could hunt like that. Well, hell yeah. Hell yeah, you can. Yeah. You learn. You become a sponge. You soak it all in. And now I look back at like, Man, I'm so glad that when Fred Zink was setting out a decoy spread, I didn't act like I knew everything, and I just sat there and went, wow, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, building, what you want to do is you want to put all the feeder decoys right here, 
Why, Freddie? Because this is the food source. That's where all the activity is. You might have one walking decoy right here just to break up your ground blinds, but all the activity, those geese in the air, they can pinpoint that. Oh, look, there's where they're eating. Why would we walk? Why would we land way out here and walk in yeah. when we could land right there where the food is? And that's where you killed them. And I learned that, and I'm like, well, it makes sense. Whether or not it was true, and that's what really hey. the geese was, it worked. And you know what a lot of people would do is let their egos get in the way. And that inhibits people from being successful, man. Every day. Every day. In every aspect of life. And, yeah. and it doesn't matter if it's football, NASCAR, waterfowl. I mean, in life, man. I mean, you have to be willing to, to like you said, leave your ego at the door, man. Every time. And that's, I, I think that that's, you know, we got off on a little tangent of what waterfowl hunting means and what a day like this provides. You're never going to forget today. No, Getting never. called out to shoot that goose, getting to hunt with a NFL player, yeah. being around black goose outfitters. People pay big money to come on a hunt oh, yeah. like this. And we, special. we made a huge uh, sacrifice to drive across the country to come here and hunt and to meet people and to do this. And that's what I look at it as like, everybody is here for a reason this is going to stick with us for a long mm -hmm. time everything in life happens for a reason there is a reason 100 percent why every group of geese didn't work today you know why tate being 21 years old that you are because if they did you would fall out of love with this in a hurry yeah. you can't get them you no. just said that you you like to archery hunt yeah. during rifle season you can't kill them all no you and can't. that's the thing about waterfowl hunting is that every flock is like anticipation education gravitation i'm being pulled towards them they're being pulled towards me all of those things that go into it and then at the end of that flock you're like well didn't get them but you know what i tried my hardest yeah. i called i flagged the spread was perfect my hide was perfect they were just like dude we don't want to mess with you we're going this way but then the next flock comes out and you're like bluck, 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 and they just cup up and you're mm -hmm. like oh god like that last group did yeah. yeah like it's our job like yeah. it was their job to put me on tv and you're just like that is why we're here but if that did it today and we killed the first eight flocks that came out, we came back here early and we'd be like, God, I don't, yeah. tomorrow, I mean, it, it'll be fun. But if it happens again like that, what's the challenge in this shit? I yeah, agree. Shoot, shooting the geese is fun for me, but what I find like most fun is just like the blind talk, setting up decoys, getting there in the morning, watching the sunrise, going and cleaning the geese. Like, you said that earlier. Yeah, and, and, and I want you to understand something. I'm the same way. I tell my wife all the time. Six dozen GHG showed up at the garage door today, and I went there, and I got the WTF text. What the f? Yeah. Um, dude, I love decoy strategy. Mm -hmm. To me, fooling the geese. If I didn't pull the trigger and I put them feet down in the deal, we won. Yeah, just just like I don't the, care the if we roll them like, or not, bro. You feel just like beating the goose. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, that's that's, that's, what, yeah. that's a win for me. Yeah, every day. Yeah, that's what and, I then, like. and then it's like, how how do you preserve the memories? I started thinking like, well, last night we got the pile pick. I don't want another pile pick. It took another forty minutes to load the geese up and to go out and drop people off and get in another truck and then go down drive here, the open up a gate, drive through the pasture, open up another gate. Then we yeah. find what we're looking for. Then we got to get the drills out. Then we got to get the farmer's permission. Then we got to get the duck straps out. And then you know what's going to happen when we see those pictures? You're going to be like. Good night. It was worth the effort. 
It's the same thing in life is that everybody has to put in the effort. It's the ones that do that are going to be rewarded. I'm not saying that people that, that, that you have to be the biggest workaholic in the world to be successful. Please don't take it that way. But the effort is everything in life. Being a blind hog can find an acorn, but to be consistent, you got to, like you said, that picture, that's something that we'll cherish. And you had to put in a little extra effort every day. I mean, every now and then you're going to stumble upon them. Yeah. You know, but, um, we are going to eat tonight. I think, I think that they said this place is known for their chicken wings. Yeah, they got some good wings. Um, we are going tomorrow. The reason I bring this up is because Larry is texting me right now. <clears throat> tomorrow, you leave Friday, right? Yeah. <clears throat> tomorrow we're going to do Canada Goose appetizers. The steaks that are raised right where we hunted today. You drove past yeah. the cattle. Yeah, we're eating so. steaks <laughs> off of that family ranch. And we're, we got Traeger sending some grills for us. We are going to be able to hunt tomorrow on this part of this river. We're going. It's the last week in the, of the season, so we get to hunt what they call the roost. Nobody mm-hmm. gets to do this. Yeah. Okay, this is special because usually outfitters will say, you know what, we're not going to hunt the roost yeah. because you just don't. Yeah. You don't want to. That's where they sleep. You don't want to blow them out of there. Tomorrow's going to be a special day. Friday's going to be a special day, but we're going to compound it with food off the land. And I don't mean just hunting. This no. guy, these ranchers are workers. You mm. saw today. Yeah, Black saw Stetsons on, felt hats, yeah. scarves wrapped around their neck on their horses. You, hurling these guys. You saw this them, is, yeah, coming through the damn decoy spread today. Yeah. yeah I mean, is, just doing their this thing. This is America. Yeah. We're exactly. killing geese the heartland, and doing it on a ranch of these hardworking cowboys and farming and ranching families that I'm going to end this podcast by saying this. You wake up in Carolina. I wake up on the West Coast. We have no idea what the hell's going on. Mm. Why in the frick would we ever take life for granted or think we know everything? Do you know that? Did you know that when you, if you weren't here today that that guy was going to be on that horse in that freezing-ass cold weather herding him cattle mm-hmm. up? Jason Aldean said it best, man. Flyover states, states, right? Can you imagine what goes on that we don't know about, but we want to project ourselves that we know everything? Can you imagine that attitude of like, dude, this life is so special. It is. This life is so keen of like understanding that we are a little morsel. I wake up and I'm like, oh man, I'm doing it. This is unreal. I have no freaking idea what you two are doing on a daily basis. So many intricate moving parts, man. Every day. Yeah. Foul Life Podcast. Thank you so much for the subscriptions and downloads. Please continue to support the partners and sponsors that support us. Brand new episodes of Benelli's The Foul Life airing right now exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. Check out theproviderlife.com for our brand new The Provider Cookbook. 264 pages, 80 recipes, stories, instruction. Chad Mendez fitness tips. He has a bare-knuckle boxing match coming up in February. He is going to whip some butt. Chad Money Mendez has his Chad Money Mendez burger recipe in the book. High-protein diet stuff that if you want to pay attention to how to stay in shape and look like Money Mendez, get the provider cookbook, but be supporting him on pay-per-view, bare-knuckle boxing. He's out of the UFC. He's going to go throw hands. We know he's going to come away the victor. I can't wait to be at the after party. Chad, I love you, brother. And also, check out all of our new dry rubs we have 10 of them right now for wild game domestic meats fishes vegetables i've even put it on peach cobbler i've put the swine on ice cream there are so many good flavors in the provider ultimate pack check us out right now at theproviderlife.com and last but not least 
please check out our sponsor page at thefowllife.com and get in the groove. Understand that we are supporting these partners because they are building products that absolutely support the culture of the American hunter, but more importantly, they work. We're not going to go out and try to do what we do on a daily basis with products that don't work, and that's why we choose all of the sponsors that you'll find right now at thefowllife.com. Again, we are so excited to be part of this culture that we get to wake up with our feet in our boots on this side of the dirt and go out and set up a decoy spread. Last week it was Wyoming. The week before that it was Oklahoma. This week it's Nebraska. We're up here with Black Goose Outfitters. Check them out on Instagram. Book a hunt with Larry Fryman, with Ryan, with Ryan the entire crew. You will not be disappointed. I'm not going to sit here and say, it's the hunt of a lifetime. That's thrown around way too much. I've been on a ton of good waterfowl hunts, and none of them have been better than what I experienced the last 48 hours right here in Nebraska, right on the South Dakota border at Black Goose Outfitters for Justin Smiley, Tate Fogelman. Check us out at thefowllife.com. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Fowl Life Podcast. Take it away. Tom, Eli, hit that button. This is 2 a.m. Logic. This song is called My Fowl Life. Bye.